0: Section two of the National Geographic Magazine Volume nine may eighteen ninety eight This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by Avahi in november twenty twenty The Philippine Islands by FF F. Hilder Part two Agriculture there is a great similarity between the agricultural products of cuba and the philippines in both sugar and tobacco are the great staples but the latter islands possess a unique product which hitherto it has not been found possible to raise successfully elsewhere although attempts have been made to introduce it in borneo cochin china the andaman islands and other places it is known commercially as manila hemp but this is a misnomer, as it has no relation to the hemp plant. Its native name is abaca, and it is the product of a species of plantain or banana, Musa textilis, which differs very slightly in appearance from the edible variety Musa paradisiaca. Its fruit, however, is small, disagreeable to the taste, and not edible. It grows to the height of 12 to 15 feet. There is evidently some peculiarity of soil or climate, or of both, which enables these islands to retain a monopoly of this fibre which has become of such immense commercial value. It grows best in hilly or mountainous districts, and particularly in the volcanic regions in the eastern parts of the islands. It is hardy and suffers little from any enemy except drought. It has the advantage of being a perennial crop like its fruit-bearing relative month after month young shoots springing up from the original root in starting a plantation the timber and undergrowth are cut down and allowed to lie until dried by the sun when they are burned and the young sprouts or suckers are planted nothing more is ever done in the way of cultivation except to cut down weeds and extraneous growths, to allow access to the plants, and to replace those that may die from accident or old age. They reach maturity in about three years, and should then be cut, as at that age they yield the best fibre. If they are cut earlier the fibre is short and lacking in strength, and if allowed to grow too old before cutting it becomes harsh, woody and brittle. A large quantity of land is required to form a successful plantation, as the plants occupy considerable room, and it requires the product of five or six acres to produce a tonne of fibre at each cutting. The method of decortication is as rude as is the agricultural process. It is true that many machines constructed on scientific principles have been experimented with, but none so far have proved satisfactory and the crude native implement is still the only one in use it consists of a rough wooden bench with a long knife blade hinged to it at one end and connected at the other to a treadle strips of the plant are drawn several times between this blade and the bench which removes the pulp and outer skin leaving the fibre which is then cleansed by washing dried in the sun and packed for shipment it is one of the most useful fibers known to commerce beside its value for making rope and cordage it is extensively used in the united states for binding twine for harvesting machines nearly one million bales are exported annually of which forty per cent comes to the united states sugar is grown very extensively the cane saccharum is not of the same species as that cultivated in the western hemisphere, but it is of the kind common throughout Malaysia and Polynesia. It is either a native of the archipelago or was introduced in prehistoric times. Several varieties are raised on the islands, some of which are used as food for man and animals and others for sugar-making. They are all rich in succorine qualities, but the greater part of the sugar produced is coarse and of poor quality and brings a low price in consequence of slovenly methods of cultivation and manufacture and the lack of high-grade machinery such as is used in cuba and the united states the quantity produced however is very large supplying all that is used for home consumption and furnishing for export annually an average of two hundred fifty thousand tons which could be indefinitely increased by the introduction of improved machinery, skill, and capital. Tobacco is an important crop, and Manila cherutes and cigars are as famous and highly appreciated east of the Cape of Good Hope as the Havana product is among Western nations. The quantity of the leaf raised is very great, but its cultivation is capable of much further development. It has been estimated that twenty thousand or more persons find employment in its preparation and the manufacture of cigars, exclusive of those who raise the leaf. In one factory alone in the binondo suburb of Manila, about nine thousand young women and girls are employed. Tobacco was made a government monopoly by Captain-General Jose Basco y Vargas in seventeen eighty one and remained so until July 1st, 1882, when the trade was thrown open. Rice is largely grown, but its use is so general and the demand for home consumption so great that little is left for exportation, although a market could always be found in China for any amount that might be sent there. There are several varieties grown in the islands, but they may be classified under two heads, the upland or mountain rice, and the water rice the upland rice is sown broadcast on the hill lands after plowing and harrowing the soil it matures in about three to four months and is harvested year by year the water rice is sown later in the year after the rains have commenced and the lowland has become thoroughly water-soaked the seed is sown in the mud and water and in about six weeks the young plants are transplanted to the rice fields which are kept thoroughly irrigated the cacao bean teobroma cacao was introduced into the islands from mexico by the spaniards it found a congenial home as it grows luxuriantly and produces good crops from which excellent chocolate is made but principally for home consumption corn which was also brought to these islands from the western hemisphere is grown to some extent as are also cotton, vanilla, cassia, ginger and pepper. Coffee of excellent quality has also been produced, but of late years the crops have not been very successful, in consequence of disease among the trees. All fruits suitable to the climate are plentiful, including the orange, tamarind, guava and pineapple. The mango grown in the Philippines is considered of very fine quality the tree mangifera indica is large and thickly branching with bright green leaves the fruit before it ripens is so acid that it forms a good pickle by merely preserving it in salt water but when ripe it changes from green to bright yellow and has a rich aromatic flavor the mangosteen one of the most delicious of all tropical fruits is grown in mindanao and some other of the southern islands of the group the tree on which it grows resembles a pear tree in size and shape the reddish brown skinned fruit is spherical in form the outer rind is thick and tough enclosing a white centre which is slightly sweet but of most delicious and delicate flavor this fruit is confined to the malay peninsula and eastern archipelago and all efforts to raise it elsewhere have failed. Of all the native fruits, however, the banana is the most prolific and useful to the people, giving them a larger amount of nutritious food from a given area of land than any other crop, with a minimum expenditure of labor. Bananas as used in this country have been gathered while immature, and have been bruised and heated in transportation consequently they bear but small likeness to the fruit in its tropical home a traveller who has partaken of a meal in a native dwelling in the philippines consisting of rice boiled as only the natives can cook it and ripe bananas full of delicious juice melting in the mouth like cream with the cool and fragrant water of the coconut as a beverage can appreciate how much nature has done in those regions to supply the wants of man and how little of human labor is required to support life minerals from what is known of the mineralogy of the islands there is no doubt that a scientific geological survey would prove that they are rich in ore deposits of many kinds gold has been found in several of the provinces but chiefly in the more mountainous and inaccessible localities many of which are occupied by independent tribes that have never submitted to Spanish rule. But that the auriferous formations extend over a wide area on the island of Luzon is proved by the fact that in the alluvial deposits of every stream on the Pacific side some color of gold can be found. The islands of Mindanao and Mindoro are also equally promising fields for prospectors for gold in many places the natives have extracted considerable quantities of gold dust by washing the alluvial deposits in others gold-bearing rock is broken by them with hammers and ground in rude mills such crude methods of course producing but poor results it seems remarkable that with the knowledge that gold exists the spaniards have not taken measures to prosecute the search for it and to apply modern scientific means to obtain profitable results this however may not appear so strange when we consider that for centuries the gold deposits of california were in their possession without being utilized iron ore of excellent quality is abundant but from lack of means of transportation and machinery it has not been found possible to manufacture iron as cheaply as it can be imported so that whenever works have been started they have soon been abandoned as unprofitable rich deposits of copper also exist and many of them have been worked in a desultory manner by the natives and more recently some of them have been operated by a company organized in europe but without any pronounced success galena and zinc blends have also been found several very promising coal fields are known and some of them have been utilized to a small extent, but the absence of roads and consequent expense and difficulty of transportation have proved a bar to development of this as well as of all other mineral resources. Sulfur is found in the vicinity of many of the ancient volcanoes in quantities that would prove profitable if transportation facilities could be obtained. Manufactures. Shipbuilding is carried on to some extent, but the vessels built are principally small and intended for the coasting trade among the islands. Considering that the Philippines are essentially an agricultural region, the manufacture of textile fabrics has attained considerable development, but it is not carried on in large establishments, and little has been done to introduce modern machinery. The looms are made of bamboo and are of the simplest construction. In some districts, particularly in the islands of Panay and Luzon, there are communities where almost every family possesses a loom, and in the houses of some of the well-to-do natives a number of looms may be found which are operated by hired labor. The products are principally cotton cloths, sail cloths, quilts, coverlet, etc coarse fabrics are also made from fibers extracted from the leaves of the sago palm manila hemp and other fibers the most beautiful fabric produced on the islands is that called piña which is made from fiber obtained from leaves of the pineapple plant the plants are raised especially for this purpose before the fruit begins to form the crown is removed which not only prevents the formation of the fruit but causes the leaves to grow larger. When they reach maturity, they are broken from the plant, and the outer skin and pulp are removed by scraping. As the fibers appear, they are cautiously raised and removed one by one, and after a thorough cleansing by washing, are dried in the sun. They are then assorted according to lengths and qualities by women, and tied together in packages for the weaver's use. The weaving is a delicate process, requiring the greatest care on the part of the operator, and the fabric produced is so exquisitely fine that sometimes only a few inches are the result of a day's work. Sometimes silk, which is imported from China, is mixed with the anana fibre, but the plain piña is the most esteemed and is largely sent to Manila, where it is embroidered in that city and the suburban villages large numbers of women are employed in this industry the work is frequently of the most exquisite quality and is sold for extravagant prices in the villages near manila and in many other communities on the islands women are also employed in making hats somewhat similar to the celebrated panama hats cigar cases and other small wares in which they display great skill and taste mats are also largely manufactured and as every one uses them to sleep on the demand is constant they are of various qualities but some of them are beautiful in texture and are ornamented with colors and gold or silver threads cotton rugs of handsome designs are also made in some of the islands horn is also softened and fashioned into bowls and other utensils many of the various articles produced by native workmen are remarkably artistic and beautiful considering that all their tools and implements are of the simplest and rudest character commerce the earliest development of commerce between the philippines and the outside world was in the direction of china and japan which gradually increased in importance the chinese were the founders of this interchange of products at first their merchants came and returned each year but as the trade increased they found it more profitable to remain permanently and founded that chinese commercial colony which in spite of occasional outbursts of fanatical persecution and of oppressive taxation has really been the mainstay of commerce in the islands the earliest efforts of the spaniards after obtaining possession of the country were directed to securing for spanish subjects a monopoly of the trade precisely as they did in their american possessions and to this end for a long time only a single ship was allowed to make the voyage each year from mexico to the philippines and from the philippines to mexico these ships called by the spaniards the acapulco ships and known to the english as the spanish galleons were equipped as ships of war and commanded by officers of the navy this monopoly ensured enormous profits to the adventurers who supplied the cargoes but the whole business was permeated by corruption and roguery of the worst description this condition existed but with diminishing success until eighteen fifteen when the last of these vessels was dispatched from acapulco as their monopoly had been gradually absorbed by a company chartered in Spain in 1784, called Compaña de Filipinas, which by opening direct commerce with Spain caused the decline and final extinction of the trade via Mexico. This company, however, in consequence of bad management and injudicious ventures, did not prove successful, and passed out of existence at the end of fifty years in the meantime some relaxation of the narrow-minded exclusive system had taken place in seventeen eighty nine the port of manila was opened to foreign vessels and in eighteen o nine an english firm received permission to establish a business house in manila being the first foreigners to receive such concession in eighteen fourteen this permission was made general it is however only since eighteen thirty four when the operations of the philippine company came to an end that greater freedom of intercourse and larger introduction of foreign capital and business methods has affected materially the development of the great natural resources and of foreign commerce has resulted which although far smaller in amount than it ought to be is a fair indication of what it might and would become if the country should be controlled by a liberal and progressive government the statistics published in another part of this issue will give a good idea of the progress and present condition of the commerce of the islands internal commerce as well as the export trade suffers from the lack of facilities for transportation this is more marked during the rainy season when the stormy weather which accompanies the southwest monsoon renders coastwise navigation dangerous to coasting vessels and land carriages impeded by bad roads and the absence of bridges necessitating the floating of goods across the streams on rafts while facilities for personal travel have been confined to horseback or to uncomfortable two-wheeled vehicles called caromatas over roads execrable in the dry season but which in the wet season become seas of mud only to be traversed by a rude sledge drawn by buffaloes in fact slaying on the mud in place of the snow of northern climes but in this direction also there is a hopeful sign of progress as the first railroad has been built and is in operation from manila to dagupin 123 miles in length connecting the capital with the rice-growing districts of pangasinan it is a single track road well and substantially built and its earnings have been sufficiently remunerative to encourage an extension of railroad facilities whenever the islands may enjoy the blessings of peace and liberal government the traveler in the interior of luzon will find no hotels nor inns for his accommodation But every village has a public building, often indeed a very rude structure, and sometimes a mere hut, where he is entitled to shelter, and where he can obtain food, frequently of poor character, at a fixed tariff rate. Wherever a priest or a convent is located, he is sure of more commodious quarters and better fare. End of section 2